0: You're listening to The Current, the podcast where we discover the stories behind people. People we know, people we want to know, and people we swim in.
1: It's hosted by me, Nathaniel. I'm the co-founder of Sundem Crew. I'm a writer, a researcher, and many other things.
0: And me, Shakia, I'm a member of Sundem Crew. I'm a lover of travel, books, history, and food
1: so let's begin Um, the first part of every show we interview someone that we know or someone we want to know or someone we swim with or sometimes it's all free for our first ever episode we're joined by P my fellow co-founder of Swimlem Crew and Reluctant Creative. Why am I the Reluctant Creative? (laughs) Because we don't like being called a creative well you are.
2: No yeah I don't mind being called it I think it's my job.
0: Right so we're joined by P the creative yeah (laughs) Yeah. Can you start by telling us a bit about how you started Swim Them Crew and what it actually is?
2: Um, swim Them Crew is an uh, inner city swim club um, and it started...
1: Oh, you have got the rest? It's that believe in the power of community?
2: Yeah, 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 okay, <laughs> that believe no. in the power of community. Sorry, I shouldn't know this spiel, but um <laughs> started five summers ago now. Um, and it, it was just kind of circumstantial, really. I think I didn't know how to swim was it was advised to learn. Mm. And so I learned. Uh, and in that kind of journey, I uh, met with Nathaniel and Emily and we just kind of swam together. Um, and run them was quite a big part of our lives at the time. And so we were just or, or or me particularly, anyway, would just hashtag anything with the moniker, them, at the end. Mm-hmm. So it would just be like coffee, them, crew, or whatever I was doing. And that's what I would do, because I'm a social media fiend. Uh, so that was it, really. And then, yeah, we just, it became a real thing, I guess. Mm.
0: <laughs> what was the process of learning to swim like? Because from, so from my background, I can't remember not being able to swim. Right. So I've been in the water from when I was a child, a small baby, Yeah, coffee. yeah. What was it like to go through that process
2: as an adult learning to swim? Uh, the process as an adult, I don't know, I think it's quite fun, I think. Yeah. It was a bit of a challenge almost. It was like, and it's easy to measure, uh, I don't want to say success, but it's easy to measure kind of progress. Uh, progress and development. So it's like, if you go on one day and you're like, right, I can only make it to one end and then I'm out, I have to leave, and then you make it. Two limbs, think about, oh my God, three limbs. It's quite easy to measure it. So I think for me, it was quite exciting just doing that. Even though I was swimming totally wrong looking back on it, but just me being able to get from one end to the other yeah. 10 times uh, was an achievement for me.
0: Cool. Amazing. So, speaking about swimming, yeah. what is the craziest swim that you've ever done in the last five years? Uh...
2: The craziest swim I'd say that I've ever done in the last five years would probably have to be, well there's two, there's two. So I'd say I'd have to put dart in there just because of the distance. So that's that's a dart 10k uh, in the River Dartmoor, downstream 10k, you're swimming 10k, right? Uh, I have to put that in there because 10k is no small feat. Yeah, I can't, I don't think I can run 10K right now.
0: I've inadvertently signed up for this in September good and I'm terrified. That'll be fine, it'll
2: be fun. Be fun. I, can train, I can give you a training plan. That yeah. um, But yeah, so that I would say, um, and a month for experience wise, like just the overall thing would be uh, a pool in uh, Iceland and it's like the oldest pool in Iceland and it's like Edged on top or, or the bottom of a mountain. Oh wow! And you can't really find it on Google Maps. So what loads of, loads of people have done is they've written instructions on how to get there. Is
0: so, it a natural pool, or it's a bit? No, you said it's the oldest built pool.
2: Yeah, it's a built pool It's a built oh, pool. Oh right, yeah okay. But uh, whoever built it built it at the bottom of this mountain, at the foot of a mountain. So you got a, you can't like you can't get there by Google Maps. You can get to like a place, and then you have to walk like twenty minutes to get there. But um... It was just fun, it was just fun getting there, it was like, ah, oh, I've got to get there, I gotta because I'd seen it online and stuff like that, uh, and then I'd followed someone's blog, someone had done like a step-by-step blog, like, right, when you get to this red post box, it wasn't a red post box specifically <laughs> but know, red post yeah, nice, when you get to this thing, turn left, you're going to see a sign, turn thingy, oh, walk wow. across this thing, and then you're going to see a rock that looks like this, you're in the right place, you know, and it was like, it was so fun.
0: Was that something you did by yourself, or you went with a group of people? Doing? Uh, on my own, I met, well, I met a
2: friend, she's Icelandic. Mm. Um, she used to live in London, um, so I was like, I'm coming to Iceland. It's like, do you want to meet me? I rented a car and we, we, we got, we, we were angry, <laughs> that day, amazing. that day <laughs> we were really angry <laughs> with each other though, <laughs> because um, we set off really early, because in Iceland it's like, you need a car to go anywhere, because everything's so far away. And it's like three hours far away, not like just down the road. Mm. So I and I wanted to do so much in one day, so I got this car. But I set off really early. I'm a morning person. She's not. Uh, so I think that number one was like fuck's sake, and then she was driving <laughs> for the first half of it. So we were just like at each other's, you know, annoying each other because we were in a car for like six hours. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah. But by the end of it, we were fine.
0: And was it cold?
2: No, well, it was warm. It was warm. The pool was heated.
0: Okay, uh, in my head it was like freezing like, like cold. No, it wasn't
2: freezing cold. It was like, like today in the resort. Yeah. What was today? I don't Do you know. pay
1: money to get there? No,
2: so it's, so it's a freezing cold. That
0: sounds amazing. It's,
2: oh, you'd have to find a picture. I would have to tell say, you the name. I
0: have to find the name. Find, yeah, I would have yeah. to tell
2: you the name. It's on your gram somewhere. Incredible. Like, yeah, should I find the name for you? <laughs> no, that's fine. Right.
0: Uh, no, it's all good. Um. So, and what about you, Nat? Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's surprised I didn't even think of that when. You asked me, um, because I don't know. It's just something, but I think I looked at Dart as just an activity with swim them as opposed to like something that I was doing myself. Mm. So mine is actually last year when we were shooting our film. It was we were shooting like had really early call cool times, like four thirty in the morning. So one day we, I think the first day we got there or the first morning we got up at half four, went down to the water. And started swimming by five a.m. We had a drone out and cameras and everything, but for me, I don't, I don't really like open water because it's, it's scary to me. And being able to in re- being in really clear water at five in the morning with no one else around other than P in the water with me, it was really, really scary yeah. because you can just see like forty meters down, yeah, and you know there's nothing scary. else there, and. Yeah, for me it was just like, why the hell are we doing this? <laughs>
2: and after about twenty minutes, Pete was like, "Well, it's scary, you know." Yeah, <laughs> it was. And, and then, then you could uh, see everything. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. So you're not used to seeing everything. Yeah. And then you know, as the sun starts coming up, it starts kind of illuminating the water, I guess, and then you could see clear to the bottom. Yeah. Like, fuck. Like, and you just realise how insignificant you are in this
0: big, yeah, yeah. huge expanse.
1: So for me, that's just, it's just scary wow. to know how deep it is, yeah. to know how yeah how small you are in that space.
0: Yeah, because swimming in a pool is very different to swimming in the open water in the sea. Sure, yeah. Like completely different yeah. kettle of fish. Um, that sounds amazing. Um, Nat was telling me yesterday that you have dreams of maybe one day swimming the channel. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. How are you going to make that happen?
2: I'm not sure. It. Uh, no, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely one of my uh, dreams and uh, goals that I want to do. Um, how and when, I don't know. Mm. I will do it before I die at some point. Um, I'm in no rush to do it, but because, you know, like I said, Dart was like... Ugh.
1: So how 10K. the
0: channel is how many miles across at the shortest bit? It's, it's about, like
1: il- about 22, for, okay, 22 23. If, 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 not necessarily, but a, a, a typical journey is about So that's like 40k. Yeah.
0: So it it's 20, four 20... times the dark yeah. with no current, well, with current probably downstream. Yeah. The, the opposite way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and no wetsuit. No wetsuit.
0: <gasps> Why would you not wear a wetsuit? You're not, not allowed to. Why? That doesn't always... make sense. It'd be Should easy we... otherwise. Yeah. What? No, seriously, you yeah. wouldn't yeah. wear a wetsuit. you not allowed to. You in in your head, fat. you've decided you're not allowed. No, no that's no, the rule. Not, not allowed.
2: One is not allowed to wear a suit when oh, wow. one swims the English Channel.
0: <laughs> wow! Who made up those rules? I have no They're idea. The Channel Very
2: Association. Cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you just gotta have
2: like uh, duck fat and mm. to keep yourself. Warm. So you just
0: grease yourself up and yeah. get in. Warm, yeah.
2: <laughs> I was listening to. Uh, uh, that's amazing. It, what's the woman's name? I don't want to quote somebody wrong. No, no name. But what's her story? Uh, first girl to swim channel.
0: Is this the woman who? It's not the same woman who it um, was. In fish people.
2: Yes. Is it? What's her name? I can't remember,
0: but I know who you're talking about. So that's I listened really to a helpful.
2: podcast. I listened to a podcast with her like last week, and she was talking about her experience, and it made me scared. Oh,
0: really. She's
2: like she could see sharks, could ah, see jellyfish. The sharks. Uh, not particularly in the uh, channel. Some other swim. I was like. Yeah. yeah, it just made me scared.
0: But you, so you do it with a boat going alongside you, yeah, there, right? Pilot, so you've yeah. always got someone. You've yeah, always got yeah. that safety net, I guess. Yeah, yeah but I wouldn't want
2: to. I wouldn't want to quit if I started. Yeah, mm.
0: that
1: boat's there to give you food and water.
0: Oh yeah, because you've got to eat yeah. whilst you're swimming.
1: The guy that has got the current fastest record for the channel, he was swimming at about a hundred meters for a minute thirty, which for me, it's just fast. So he had a yeah. technique to be able to, like, grab a bottle of water, squ- squeeze really it into his stuff. mouth, and then keep just, just keep going. Um, obviously, he had a good day for it, like, current-wise and stuff, but he was swimming fast for a pool swimmer in the channel.
0: Wow. Yes.
2: David Williams has done it.
0: Oh, he has, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, I watched and that whole sounds- thing. How long did he take to do it? I'm not sure no. what
2: his time was, but he done quite well, actually. Did I he think that was to... his first endeavour into that weird sport.
1: Because he also spammed down the Thames, didn't he? did yeah. get really ill. Yeah, yeah he did. He would, Dread
0: oh, oh, to think what's in the River Thames. But yeah, he's a
2: legend.
1: In wow. that
0: part,
2: I think he's a yeah. legend for doing that. Yeah,
0: cool. Nice, well, I wish you were. luck. Sorry. Definitely he's, let us know when it he, happens. He's doing
2: it with me. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you didn't mention that bit to me. That's why I don't want to do it.
1: It's cold. I don't like being cold. Duck fat. You have to. Someone that prepared for it had to like have cold showers for four months. Sleep with their window open. Yeah. And P's like pee looks at it, it's like yeah, that's amazing.
0: Do you know what you guys should do in preparation? Have you heard of the Vim Hof? Thing? Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
0: what you need to do. So Vim Hof, he like submerges himself in icy cold water, doesn't he, for like long periods of time, so that he can go for ages yeah. in
2: cold. I think we can do it. I think it's doable. Like, yeah. It's the preparation. I, actually, like the thing is. I'm saying it. I'm roping him in because obviously at first I'll have to do it as a relay first, to get a feel for it. First, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then, the first time I swim the channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, you know,
2: more people have climbed Everest than they have swim in the channel. Completely. Wow. Tells you all you need to know. Yeah. It's not not for the lighthearted. Well,
0: definitely not.
2: A, but imagine you complete that. How are you going to feel? Yeah. take the world. You can do anything.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm really looking forward to imagine. The how, okay, okay imagine that how your is child
2: like... is going to look at you, knowing that you've completed the channel. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. imagine
0: that. So for posterity, P is going to swim the channel, if nothing else. What, re- yeah. what, what
2: record would it be if we swam the channel? First flat men to do it. Mm. Really.
0: And that that would be a really significant thing. Huge. For,
2: yeah. Like absolutely huge yeah. sponsor us Definitely. You know, we're sitting in a living room of Cool Runnings uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. post star, like, <laughs> it's true you know, I still get emotional <laughs> watching that film
0: <laughs> the Cool Runnings run you see it Nigerian, Nigerian the Nigerian guys they Boxer were amazing yeah. yeah so cool but yeah having those figures like visible is I think really important for I think younger we'll people and that's not only even th- th- just younger people like adults as well like it's yeah. still significant and important that's the like,
1: only thing that would drive me to do it yeah that should be enough
0: great, good Nothing enough, else, mate. Should be <laughs> enough mate. right then, we've talked um, quite a lot about swimming um, and swimming career. can you tell us a bit more about what you do when you're not in the water
2: so uh, yeah, uh, my day job is uh, I'm an advertising creative um, and what that means is coming up with campaigns for brands and clients, Ooh. basically
0: do you do that freelance or do you work out at uh, a
2: uh, permanence Permalance. Um, yeah, What's yeah, this yeah. New, <laughs> So it's it's, vocabulary. it's in between freelance and permanent, you know, <laughs> so you because
0: constantly of... you permanently freelance for the same exactly company. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's actually like the best of both worlds because yes. you get higher pay when you freelance, don't you? But you get the security of being known that you've got work, work coming in. Yeah. Amazing. Can you yeah. give us some examples of some of the stuff you've done?
2: Yeah. So uh, I'm currently permanent now, but before that I was at uh, Wine and Kennedy London. Mm. Um and we did i did quite a few a a mixture of different things like a music video of someone on excel records uh some stuff for rough trade just some social films uh an advert for a tv ad for uh maynards Bassett's or two tv ads for maynards biscuits uh that were kind of a campaign around uh tropical jelly babies and, oh nice <laughs> yeah and uh, i've never seen them yeah
0: they, they sit around they are, I, like I think it. they
2: came around in like September or something, October, okay, or last cool. year. and uh, Tanya Guns. Fun thing, fun fact actually for that ad, the um, tropical one, the set design and the guys who built it worked on um, Isle of Dogs. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, so they were, they, while they were shooting Isle of Dogs they left the set for three days to come and build our set and work on ours um, and do all the model and then... Left to go back. So if it's good enough for it's good enough for Dan, yeah. <laughs> so I'm really happy about that. It's good, good Incredible. Yeah. yeah, really cool. It was, wait, it was also
1: that yoga as well. Skia.
2: Skia, yeah, Skia. yeah but yeah. that was like some social adaptations and. Uh, because I
1: only asked about it because the guy was in water.
2: I was wondering if that was you. Yeah, no, I didn't. I I, I did work on that, but I didn't write the creative for mm. it. So oh, okay. I came in quite late on the on See the project. Yeah.
0: It sounds like a really interesting job.
2: Yeah, no, like it, it is. Very
0: different, like it is.
2: I think it's a good job. I think you can't, like, I've never woken up and been like, "Fuck, I got to go to work." Mm. Never. I, I, wow. I've never okay, felt I'm really
0: envious of that because I have had that feeling, and yeah. it's not a nice feeling. No, I mean, <laughs> I get,
2: I get, I get like, uh, I get like, you know, they work you hard and you get tired and you're like, "Shit, man!" Like, ah, uh, I wish I could have a day off or something. Yeah. But.
0: But that's different to the literal, like, the alarm going off and the dread of, oh, my gosh, I've got to get out of bed and I have to get in the shower and I have to go to work. Yeah, no, I don't have that. I don't have that. I'm so jealous. (laughs) I'm so jealous. I've I've had periods of time in my working life with that feeling and it's a really horrible feeling. I don't wish it upon... Yeah, yeah. that's
1: ninety percent of people. Yeah,
0: yeah, unfortunately, I think it is. I think a lot of people, it's just that they, they don't have that like drive yeah. for what, what they do. They have I drive for life, to, maybe, but what they end up, yeah. to, what they end up doing is yeah. not. I think it's bad when you have them. that dread
1: to go into it. I've had that yeah. in a couple of jobs where you're like, oh my god, I hate my job, right? right. Yeah. But if you choose to stay in that, then you know. Yeah, I yeah.
0: think yeah, but, but it takes courage to leave if you are, so like the difficulty is if you are in something secure and permanent and you might not love it but then you've got all these other things going on around you to yeah. like make that leap Yeah, That's
2: it cool. is, I mean yeah I mean it is difficult mm-hmm. and I think maybe when I was a teenager or something or I felt that, I don't know mm-hmm. well, uh, not teenager but like early 20s or something I felt that, but they weren't really career jobs, they were mm-hmm. just like jobs to get by jobs you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, I do feel blessed. I think a bit, but I'm only at the beginning of my uh, career in that world. I've only been in it like two and a half years, so still a baby in it.
0: Have you got a vision of where you want to get to? Have you got that in mind, or is it kind of it's? Or are you just kind of following it along and seeing what, where it takes you?
2: Uh, a bit of both, really. I think ultimately you want to be. Ultimately, the goal is ownership, whatever it is, right? So I don't want to say, oh, I want to have my own creative agency or whatever. I want to have my own production company because well, what is that? What does that even look like? You know, the shape of advertising is changing. And as we know it anyway, it's changing. And creative industries offering, as a whole. It's, it's just changing, you know. So it's like I just kind of need to keep working as P, the creative, and just keep doing good work and keep putting out good work. And that will probably put me in good stead to then be at a stage where actually I'm quite senior at it. And then I can be like, oh, well, actually, I've got so much work on, it just makes, naturally makes sense for me to start my own firm. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to, so this is what I don't want to do. I, I don't want to be like, I'm starting a firm, and then yeah. I'd rather, like, get to that point where you you, you just know. When mm. it's time, you'll know. You've got lots of work on, big clients, and uh, oh, actually, would you mind doing that? Or mm. you're just going out finding clients yourself and it just naturally happens.
0: Yeah, uh, more organic kind of you realisation me- of it. You, so you mean-
2: mentioned something about
1: the position at work you're in. So typically in like creative industries or like designer jobs, you'll be like a junior designer, then a designer, then a, um, oh, what's it's not senior straight off, there's another middleweight and then senior and then like creative director or whatever. You're in between a transition from one level to another. Yeah, I'd say I'm and in
2: between junior to midway. And so- how do
1: you navigate that? Because th- that's what happens when you apply for jobs, and you're too you've got too much experience for like the low end one, but yeah. then you've got, not got enough experience for the other yeah. end. So it's like how?
2: Yeah, I think you know it just it's about exactly As difficult it says it's just about experience and uh, responsibility. Mm. You know, if you can take, for example, if you if you can if you if you lead a project, yeah. or you know you you've taken a project from kind of inception to like delivering it and someone can see that, and like, oh, actually, yeah, he's a bit more than just a junior. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because actually, he the brief came in, he answered the brief, went through production, produced it, whatever, made it, and here's the output. If you kind of did that without too many hands on it and too much kind of guidance, you know, obviously you've got creative directors there, and their job is to kind of, like, guide you a little bit and kind of give a, advice and steer you in the right direction. But if you kind of get a hold of your pr- a project on your own... Um, or majority of it on your own and kind of lead it, then I think, you know, that kind of shows that you're kind of ready to kind of move up and you're ready to handle the responsibility mm. that comes with uh, being a midway.
0: There's a responsibility, and then there's also the the agency to go in a direction that you feel is the right direction without well, having other people, yeah, make those decisions for you, which is then in a whole other exciting world of actually, yeah,
2: kind of true. Yeah, that's true. And I think where I'm at now, uh, so I've currently freelance at uh, Virtue. Which is vice's creative agency um i think there's a, there's a there's a lot of freedom and flex to kind of do that um just because the clients in which they have are very open to conversation you know and, and suggestions you know normally when a client goes to an agency they say they want to go to you for your expertise but really the client's like no 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 and they push back loads you know mm-hmm. but actually it's the other way around here i think because they're like oh well vice are in the eye of the cultural storm, their vice kind Yeah,
0: of vice in a really good position. At so the they've, really got, in, they've yeah. got a lot
2: of uh, wiggle room to kind of like push back with clients, you know? And I, I just hope that they don't forget that because sometimes it's easy to forget that, you know, when a client's like, actually, we're paying you. This is a retainer. Mm. Shut up and just do what we say. But you they're
0: know? paying you for that like, I know, left, but left field thinking. Yeah, but
2: sometimes it's easy to forget that. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Trust me. Like, I'm just seeing that, it could happen when I'm not saying it is, but I'm like, I could see where it could happen, and mm. I just hope we don't go down that path.
0: Cool. Um, so, Nat was also time yesterday because we just, we just spent all the afternoon talking about you, of course. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you've also been a lecturer? Well, Isn't that right? No, a guest lecturer. I guess yeah?
2: a lecturer, lecturer yeah. Guess lecturer,
0: yeah, just a guest
2: lecturer, I think they call it.
0: Okay, so that's quite different to your day job that you were just describing to me. So, what were you guest lecturing in?
2: Uh, that came about through, uh, someone that I actually met at Rundon, um, Linda, and she is head of communication design at Kingston University. Um, we, I just went to Kingston at the end of year show because, uh, one of the girls I worked with went to Kingston and it's just, you kind of do it just to get, just be around creative people. I just like, I like being around creative people. I like the energy, you know? I, like, I just love it. I feed off of them. Um, and then we just got talking and she's like, oh, you should come and do something for the guys, you know, uh, write them a brief. And so the first brief we wrote them, me and my creative partner, Rachel. So traditionally in advertising, uh, you work in partners. So you have traditional one art director and one copywriter. So person who does all the words, person who does all the official stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So me and my partner, Rachel, wrote a brief on unpaid internships. Uh... And the Kingston students kind of answered that brief in many different ways. You know, some made films, some made art, some made uh, music, like lots of different ways. Um, and it was well received. And so they invited us back for a second year, but on a bigger scale. Um, and so for that one, we had like 15 students or something. And this time we had like 80 students or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, so it was huge. And then... Um, we this, this brief was about toxic masculinity, um, and then I got uh, hired again by them, so this was running at the same time, to do um, workshops on self-initiated projects. So I kind of had two jobs there at Kingston, um, which was nice. Mm. And then yeah, we've just done a few talks at other unis and stuff.
0: Is that something that you enjoy doing, the teaching aspect of it?
2: Yeah, but I don't want to be a teacher.
0: (laughs) No, not like in a school, in front of a blackboard or anything.
2: Yeah, yeah. But that was quite nice because they're just so fresh, Mm. you know. (laughs) So they've not been yeah. affected by the world say, just yet. I was gonna you say
0: unsullied, but Game of Thrones. Yeah, but yeah, it's that thing they of like they haven't yet. been. Yeah, it sounds really bad,
1: but it's like no, but they haven't. The reality of the world didn't hit them yet, and that's yeah. but that's one of the nice things about being in union. So to they're to free. Create. I love it. They're just so
2: free. You know, some of them are. You can see that the, what they want to do is get into an ad agency, so they're already starting to think in that kind of constraints, and so their work's kind of geared towards that. Mm. Which is like, mm, okay, but come on, be free, be free. And then some of them are just free. And you're like, oh, yes. Brilliant. You know, and it just Amazing. it gets it gets you going, I think, you know. Like, I even I even messaged one of them yesterday. Because um one of them's got, like, an earring brand. So, I mentioned I am doing self-initiated projects as well. So, one of them started, like, an earring brand thing. And I saw some art, and I was like, oh, it kind of reminded me of this. So, I just sent it to them. I was like, oh, this is good. Like, mm. it kind of reminds me of your thing, you know. I was like, it's good. And then, um... I still on email to a couple of them you yeah. Know. yeah. It, it sounds
0: like, a lot like the kind of work that you do relies on like networks and connections and kind of speaking to people and meeting people and like things yeah, kind definitely. of yeah that's definitely. a really important aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, my networks my network. Yeah. <laughs> my network's <that's> my network.
2: That's <laughs> here, right. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's why that's sometimes that's why I'm like I have fears of leaving London. Yeah.
0: sometimes well yeah it's a really important because you've made the connections here so if you, I if you too went much elsewhere here, it would you'd have to start again from scratch yeah. right um i mean my partner Pasco, he's a freelance carpenter and product designer and he has a very similar thing he's been here for back we've been back in london for three or four years yeah. and he's built up a network of people that he works with and people know what yeah. he does mm. so if we were to ever because i harbor all these dreams of like living in all sorts of different places around the world yeah. but the reality of it is if we did go somewhere. It would be starting from scratch, yeah. like building up those networks, those connections, that trust as well, yeah, yeah, reliability, yeah. accountability. I think, I think it's not that bad, though. Like
1: no? it's you know, like fight or flight. You're either going to do it or not. Oh, well, it depends and know, what you're doing. No, but you'll know once you get there. It's like all right, I've got to make sure it happen. Go and make sure it happen. That is true. But obviously, it's leaving all your contacts is different to
2: having started up again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's not possible. It's not. No, it's not impossible. And I think the world is smaller now, anyway, because the internet yeah, and everything. And I think. Uh, if I, in an ideal world, if I probably did, like, a year and a half more in industry, then I, could, I think it could afford me the ability to just go anywhere. Oh, brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Because yes, yeah. it's like, okay, he's done, like, you know, almost two years at wider and Kennedy. He's done, like, two and a half years at Vice Virtue or whatever. I think I could then go anywhere and be like, actually, and just kind I of go to happen. any... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you have,
0: idea like, dreams of that? Maybe, I think yeah. so, maybe.
2: I think I need to get there first I Where think would you could go. do New York
0: New York's very similar to London yeah you know? I wouldn't want to go it's New like York London I don't know.
2: 10 though yeah I'm not yeah. sure I'd want to go to New York I don't know somewhere where I could be so this is the thing this is the ideal thing right somewhere where I could kind of have this hustle and bustle of the city because I love it and the accessibility of everything but equally be not too far from the coast. Mm. So maybe like 30 minutes from the coast, 40 minutes from the coast. Yeah. That would be my ideal. And that's why I like Copenhagen, you know? Yeah, Copenhagen's beautiful. Because I can, I'm in a city, I'm around, cycle, cycle yeah. 20 minutes out, and I'm on the coast, you know? That's yeah. one of my favourite places. With? Outdoor swimming structures, by mm. the way, in Europe.
1: With Copenhagen, I just find it too small. It is, but I think, yeah, because I've only lived like a weekend and I something. can't imagine living there for a yeah. the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know well, what I'm saying? Quite I, quite I, I
2: don't want to live there, but somewhere like that, yeah. that, that the, the makeup of, of being places. able to cycle <laughs> 30 minutes, so it probably I, doesn't exist. I lived in Rio
0: for a few months and that was one of my favourite places to live because it literally is like I was. Two or three blocks from the beach, which yeah. is beautiful. Mm. But then, if you go up into town, into centre, it is like I think Barcelona is quite
2: close to that, isn't it?
0: I lived in Barcelona as well, and that I is know. amazing. Barcelona's city. close
2: beaches. Is-
0: no but you just got to go a little bit further <laughs> up the coast like not the main beach right in Barcelona you have to go out a bit and it is beautiful yeah that's a good shout Barcelona good I think that's a good shout and it's, it's creative it's quite liberal or what about Portugal place. I've not been there Lisbon, Lisbon. I've heard it's Lisbon's,
2: yeah. That yeah, vibe. Definitely. But Lisbon's quite small yeah but I heard it's got um, a boom in creative industry at the moment it's like yeah. really
0: it's,
1: up. it's funny you say
0: that I definitely know someone who worked in advertising in London who's recently moved to yeah Lisbon. I know quite a few
1: people there's an article on it people like young creatives especially moving
0: out yeah so you either go to berlin era. or yeah. go to lisbon to berlin. berlin is a Berlin's cool city though london, actually cool. though in the summer berlin there's loads of places you can cycle to swim in like the rivers yeah, lakes yeah, yeah. and stuff so maybe wise, maybe i need to give normal. it another shot yeah yeah anyway um, <laughs> so last question for this section of the interview with p yeah. um you said that there are two things in london that happen every year that you never ever miss yes yeah. What
2: are they and why? <laughs> so the two things I never miss uh, are in London that happen. Two, two events in London that happen. Two events that happen in London that I never miss are London Marathon, happens in April, and Martin Hill Carnival happens in August. back on the day. Uh, London Marathon because, so I grew up in a place called Charlton, which is south-east London. Uh, it's not too far from when the Marathon starts off uh, in Blackheath. Um, so I've always been going to Black Eve as a kid anyway like uh, at half term my, my dad would give my sister and I the option of going to the fun fit or cinema like that was our treat every half term no matter what cinema or ma- or, or uh, fun fit we'd always pick uh, sometimes we pick if it's nice out we say alright cool because he used to fall asleep in the cinema so we are like, like oh, can we go to the fun fit <laughs> um, which, I do now, like, yeah. which I do now which I do now if the film's longer than 120 minutes anyway so Fun fair, which happens on Blackheath where the marathon starts. Um, so I'd always watch it as a child from my balcony outside. It was just like this big event, flora marathon, you know. And one day, my friend said to me, "Oh, P, you can't run four miles or something." We were bantering. I was like, "Shut the fuck up, yeah, I can." So I just swear. I was like, "It's not the first time." But I oh, it's not. Oh. Um, but I had no way of measuring what four miles was, so I just ran in the marathon to the Wait, four you mile ran mark in the
0: actual marathon. Yeah.
2: <laughs> But you were in normal clothes, weren't Yeah, you? I was in my normal clothes. Because I didn't know how to measure four miles. This was before I started running. <laughs> weren't you as a friend? I was running, GPS, no. like, yeah, yeah, I just I just filmed on my digital camera. Yeah. <laughs> because I had no idea how to measure what four miles was. <laughs> it's, it's got <laughs> a video of it. Yeah, there's it? a video on YouTube it's really you can find, find it. And you just see it get sweatier and sweatier. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I was like, how do I don't know what four miles is? And so that's right. So it's always it's got a little place in my heart, I love it. That and I, you know and and I ran it with Nat, uh In 2015, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, So that was nice. And, you know, I'm running them always make a big deal of kind of, you know, celebrating people who run it, um, no matter how slow or how fast you are, um, you know, and and that's kind of around um, Limehouse mile 21 mark, which is traditionally where the wheels start to fall off. Mm -hmm. And you kind of need that little bit of uh, encouragement and a little pick me up. So they kind of bring carnival vibes today mm-hmm. which kind of leads me on to the second thing which is carnival um, carnival it's funny because so obviously I grew up on a state standard whatever um, and so it's just mandem you know and no but it is you know it's just that's what it yeah. is and so c- carnival as a youth and carnival now are two different things so as kind carnival of as a youth it was like you were almost going looking for you were going looking for girls but trouble would somehow find you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, you know, you'd go in your, in your packs, you know, like 20s, 30s. You wouldn't go in anything less than that. And you'd go to Rampage, there'd always be trouble there, there'd always be a fire, there'd always be all of these kind of things, yeah. Um, and that, that was like a cycle for like four years or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Always some sort of beef, always some sort of trouble, like always, yeah. And then I stopped going... I was like, oh, this is just long, bro. I can't bother to be running away or getting in fights. this is just long, um, and then I stopped going, and I think I changed as a person, like, and my interests changed. As I just changed, I just
1: grew up. What brought out that change?
2: I think I could see thirty, maybe. So how old are you at this mm-hmm. Twenty seven.
1: So four years. In that four years, you've been going carnival for four years. So up until twenty seven. No, so I've been going carnival, carnival. Maybe
2: I've been going. I've been going carnival from like let's say eighteen to twenty mm-hmm. four. Or so something. You
0: hadn't you hadn't actually gone to carnival when you were a kid.
2: Not as a kid. I, so wish, I remember carnival yeah.
0: when I was literally Little. a child. Yeah. No, my parents. Okay. My parents ain't them okay. kind of
2: parents. <laughs> <laughs> They're not them okay. kind of parents. You know what I mean? So
0: you've gone from when you're an older teenager. Yeah. So like seventeen to mid twenties. Then I was like, TV. this is
2: long. This is too dangerous. I'm not going anymore. Yeah. Then from, let's say, 24 to 27, those three years, um, you know, I was doing music full-time. We'd signed a publishing contract. So life was quite different at that time. It was quite a nice life, actually. It was really, really nice. Um, and then band kind of broke up, whatever. Then I was like, I, need, I had to find myself, I guess, because I'd always been in this crew and this band, and I'd gone from somebody telling me where I had to be doing my diary uh, booking flights all of this stuff to then like well I'm just in the world on my own what do I do now um, so that was kind of a bit of self discovery for me actually so I like okay so who's P then what, like, what's, what's your offering and that's when I kind of started to begin to get into run them um, started to learn to swim around the same time um, losing weight started boxing what I was eating was different I started to like avocados I never had avocados like that <laughs>
0: You know what I, mean? I love it. Life-changing, uh, life-changing,
2: romance. Romance. life-changing like I avocado. started liking avocado. Honestly, avocado, smoked salmon. These are <laughs> things that all change. I never used to have them things before. I was like, like you know, you got. I, I was very road, basically. Mm. I, like, I was very narrow-minded. I wouldn't say road, but I was narrow-minded. And I think twenty-four to twenty-seven, because I was doing music, it allowed me to see different parts of the world and different people and different cultures. So it opened up my brain a bit more. And then 27, I just fully opened. I was like, wow, I'm open now, you know. So that's when I started to go carnival again and stuff like that. And I was like, and it was a totally different experience. It was like, I'm just going for the music. I'm just going for the vibes. I'm just going to have a good time. You know, I'm going to pick my sound systems correctly, stay at them and just vibes. You know, whereas before you're just walking around doing all this, trying to chop skills all that, that's long, you know what I mean? Just find your sound system and just
3: enjoy
0: it. So what, what's your favourite sound system? So I always go to Abishanti. Yeah, I always, uh, Abishanti. Always Abishanti, but you got to get there before 2pm, otherwise you're not going Well, this is the thing. Yeah.
2: So Abishanti. you got to time it. Yeah, Abishanti, if I can get there early, but Rough But Sweet, always, there's always something good going on at yeah. Rough But Sweet, you know, they'll have NTS on, or they have uh, Deviation on, they have some, someone going on, it was always good at Rough But Sweet, it's always good at that sound. So I, I like that, you know what I mean? Ooh. I went to, about three years ago, I was in transit walking through and I have stopped by like, I don't know who it was, but the Heat Wave had a little stage, and I was like, oh, "Wow, heat Wave is good." It was so heat wave good. Is good. And uh, Lizzie Kingdom did all the artwork and the art mm. direction. And I was like, "Sick!" And I, you know that was an accidental find, but I was like, "Whoa, I want to find that again." Yeah. So that was fun.
0: Cool. I'm looking forward to it this year. I wasn't there last year, but I'm definitely gonna do it this year. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I loved it. and you know, yeah. was funny.
1: Last year was my first carnival as, I was like a grown man. Oh yeah. So like, I used to go when I was younger. Yeah. Um. And like in college and everything, and I stopped. Like the same reason as peace thoughts, and then to go back as an adult was so different. Yeah, it's a different experience. And I guess what? Yeah.
2: He's twenty seven now. See, a, yeah, it happens at twenty seven. Yeah. I, I, I honestly <laughs> think there's something about. I need to read and research about it. I don't know what it is, but there's something about that year, twenty seven. Mm, I think.
0: Significant. Yeah, I
2: think someone said something about the male brain. You kind of finally develop. Yeah, finally develops at twenty seven. For women, oh, wow, it happens, really? like instantly. Yeah. I just don't know what it is about that age. I don't, mm. I don't. I don't know if it's like. You can you, you can suddenly see thirty, so you're like, mm. right, I should change my life, or I just but it's don't know.
0: Probably just a certain amount of time that you've not been in further education, higher education, mm. or like, but they crime th- you crime. Start to off. be more like independent. I just don't know because think well. about all the
2: people who mm. died around the age of twenty-seven well, I know, what, as well. Jimi yeah. Hendrix, twenty-seven Club,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, it's loads of
2: people. you like Kurt Cobain? So you like. Yeah. Mm. What is it about that? No, like I need to really do my research. I don't know what seven is. Uh, in Chinese, maybe. Is it a lucky number? It's seven? Or is it three? Lucky or lucky. I don't <laughs> it's know. one or the other. Like, I think there needs... I'm, I'm guessing there's probably an essay somewhere online okay. that says something about the age 27 mm. and something in your body changing or something changing. Mm. I
0: well, I think you should research sure that it. and then we can come back and discuss the next time we have you on as our guest. I'm almost sure. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Yeah. So, thank you to P. Um, thank you. you can find out more about P at amazing.me, yeah. um, which is actually spelled A H M A Z I N G dot M E. But definitely check it out. I checked it out and it is, there's brilliant stuff on there. And I think the video from you running the first four miles of the marathon can be found on there. Somewhere on some on YouTube, other stuff you can find there. it somewhere. Yeah, I don't brilliant. Know, yeah. Cool, so <laughs> now we're into the portion of the show where we catch up on what we've been reading, watching and listening to you, and we're also joined now by Erica, another Dem crew member.
3: Hi, everyone. Hi. So, a bit of a straggler here. Um, yeah, so I'm Erica um, from Canada, and uh, but have been here in the UK for about 10 years, and um, just totally riding that wave Swim Dem. cool thanks for
0: joining us so um nat what have you been recently
3: reading
1: so i was saying i'm really proud of myself because first time in my life that i've i've got through two books in one week however it was like the last five pages of one book and then the other book was 40 pages but it's like eight eight
3: seven (laughs) size so you basically (laughs) read two chapters this week. yeah pretty much (laughs) um
1: first one was good immigrant that is by uh, nikesh shukla but with 20 or so essays from different writers it's a really good collection of work um I, my main gripe with it was that I would rather they just advertised it as a book for like like by South Asian people that as the children of immigrants rather than like doing a book that's 80% of that and then some from like people that are mixed race with like you know traditional um white and British parents or Mixed with uh, Afro Caribbean or sub Saharan African parents that would be black. So, and then there's some other stories that are just kind of the stragglers thrown in there. So it's a bit of a weird. So
0: you felt part. like it wasn't fully coherent, man. Yeah, was, like, so 80% of it made sense and was kind well, of. No, it made sense.
1: It's like, oh, I really get this connection yeah. to the people. And then okay. the other stories, I'm like, well, this probably doesn't need to be here. It can go in another book or something. But mm. like, I'm glad that we're in a place where a book like Good Immigrant can exist. I just think there's no. There's nothing wrong with just being, like, overtly what you actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the last two, the last two essays, ones by a guy called Vineet Patel, and it's about religion, and family, and culture. And the last, and one after that is by Musa Akwanga who talks about how he's like black, but went, had a scholarship in school, so he was never like accepted. And then how he kind of left England anyway, because even though his mum, his both his parents were doctors, and Everything is just never really accepted here. So he lives in Berlin now, which already has its own problems. But I think because of World War 2 they're a bit more... <laughs> they're trying to, like, get back on the good side of people. I find it quite interesting,
0: it. that idea of, like, feeling unwelcome in your own country, but, but then going somewhere else and still being other, but feeling more welcome as yeah. another. Yeah. It's about
1: how they welcome so, yeah. people. Like, I think, talk about, you know, Britain has a real amnesia of how oh, people yeah. came here um, yeah. and how it came to, like, rule the world. So,
3: But related to that, I think, too, there's some countries that are also filled with people that have escaped where they're from and they're just also filled with others. So I think you kind of find like-minded folks and and find comfort in that. I feel like Berlin is one of those cities that has a lot of people that are just sort of escaping and kind of escaping to hiddenism or mm. some sort of stuff It's a lot of creatives
0: go there as well people yeah. who want to create art because it's generally cheaper living there's more space there's more people that you can kind of like london's a really difficult city to come to if you're creative and you're trying to like mm. do something on your own without having support with of, no like, network family. no yeah, sources, yeah, networks. no yeah. yeah
3: no one in such a big city such a lonely city yeah, yeah. Um, and what was the other book that you you said you finished?
1: Um, I don't know how to say her surname, but you know, famous Nigerian feminist writer Chimanda. I can't say her surname. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I've not got it on screen either. But it's a book adapted from one of her TED talks called "We Should All Be Feminists." Oh yeah. Um... So really it's good. a talk from like 2000 What's name? something. I've actually watched that talk as well. Yeah, and it's a really good talk I've about how she kind well. of grew up and was called <laughs> feminist as like a, a slur almost and how then she would adapt her feminism and say, oh, well, I'm a feminist, but I still like men, or I'm a feminist, but I don't like... He- he- wear. I'm a feminist, but I still like men and I don't wear he- high heels, but I'm sort a feminist and like kept on adapting it as people saying, oh, you can't be this and you can't be that. Um, oh, yeah. Shamanda Ngozi Adichie, that's it. Um, and yeah, it's an interesting book. Um, if I knew it was a TED Talk, I would just watch a TED Talk. Um, <laughs> but actually, I just like to support writers uh, from the diaspora. And I think it was an interesting book. I would recommend it for people that don't really understand what feminism is or how it works and how it affects people mainly. And to, but the thing that I found hard was her, her views on gender have been spoke about many times and it's still very like a, a a binary conversation with her. Um which is okay, it's it's fine not to to have your views and stuff, but yeah, that just a weird one for me. So you felt like
0: it's lacking in some ways. Yeah. When it came to talk Yeah. But it was a good It was good on like feminism. Yeah. But for everyone me it's should like read this book as like what is feminism? What does it mean to people yeah. as a like base level? Uh, and yeah. there's more to add to it. hundred percent
1: Um, And then I've just started Between the World and Me by Mm. Ta-Nehisi Coates. It's basically written as a letter to his son, who his imaginary son at the time is 15 or 13. And he's basically writing about why it's going to be hard for his son to navigate the world as a a young black man in America. So they talk about Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner and all these sorts of things and like how his dad had to learn that his body wasn't precious. Mm. and that it was it could be like subject to violence at any time
0: do you feel um, that that is that still resonates even though you are black British rather than black American yeah it's weird Um, because we
1: talk about on on Twitter a lot like how you have these diaspora wars and people like African Americans think they have like the they've won the oppression Olympics almost um, and they claim to be black and everyone else isn't black because they have like a country or flag where they came from it's really odd um, I I like to think of it as it all started from the same place um, and our experiences are different it's one It's America have a really weird situation where they because of slavery and it's uh, it's like publicity almost they know their history of that and acknowledge it and embrace it so you go to America and see TV there's a lot more black people um, and marginalized communities represented on screen at least in, like I'm talking commercials everything I didn't I didn't I remember going to Trinidad when I was 16 and seeing black people on in the advert and I was like... And they had American TV. And I was like, wow, we don't get that back home. Yeah.
0: And, That's interesting. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, like, Britain likes to be this, like... Especially with the bloody war reading, like, try to think there's some sort of post-racial society. I and mean, that is, for me, they're behind in accepting kind of what they are, who they are. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to the differences...
3: <laughs> i, mean, I but, think um, there was that reminds me of um i think an article and i think it wasn't the good immigrant it, it was also probably featured in the guardian um by riz ahmed about yeah. um he commented on how in america they try to paint themselves as super multicultural and that is <laughs> all in their media and everything while the uk kind of just tries to push out the victorian mm. history of just um like where everyone's just sort of white, and that that's no. that's that's what they try to sort of sell to the rest of the world. When really it's probably the other way around. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting.
1: you' basically saying that's why a lot of actors end up going abroad to get work. It's because...
0: true, yeah. You've got loads of Black British actors mm. who've gone to America and been really successful, because um, um, they just haven't found the parts here. Well, the
1: parts are because what sells abroad for if you get a big English show or British show, it's a Victorian drama. Mm. Downton Abbey Downton Abbey and like unless they're they're not going to put people of colour in there unless they're slaves so do they want to export that? Probably not. And then you have to go abroad. and It's really funny, you got Samuel Jackson last year, or two years ago, was complaining that British actors were coming to America and taking their jobs. He did do <laughs> that, he did. You have uh, Spider-Man, to Tom Holland, you got a lot of the Marvel, so a lot of his role, a lot of like, the Marvel actors are actually English. Yeah. Or Australian, in the fourth case. and think
3: he was talking about Get Out as well. Get Out then?
1: as well, yeah. it's like, how can yeah, a black man, a black British man, p- portray and understand... What a black Slavery, American goes America yeah, yeah. yeah. as and if you, we've never experienced racism yeah, yeah. Exactly. in
0: Britain. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think you put you you sort of um, pointed out it, um, earlier. It's that idea of our history not being very well known. So, mm-hmm. like in America their history, I think, well, the African-American history is very well known, particularly because it happened in the country. Whereas in Britain, everything was happening over there, across the other side of the sea. So, like, it was very removed. And I think that the experience in Britain isn't really understood or taught in schools as well. Like, Mm. we taught the transatlantic transatlantic slave trade, but it's kind of all everything that happens in the Americas. We don't really talk about Britain. Mm. And we also don't talk about Windrush, apart from, Mm. like... People suddenly appeared, like, after 1948 out of nowhere. Like, they just <laughs> came here as if that was just a random thing. Mm. But actually, like, what was the history of that? And I think that is a shame. Like, I don't think, as young people in Britain, we're taught enough of that history to make it... Mm-hmm. To, to understand why, it.
1: for me, you've got it on the shelf, like, Renny's book. Uh, why, why I'm... I no, why I'm well, she says why I'm, but, like, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. I actually learned more about, like, black British history in that book in, like, 30 pages than I did of anything in school
3: yeah as an outsider I mean yeah from Canada we we hear about America's stories a lot but I didn't also know much mm. about black British history until reading that book yeah. too and the fact that she said that Liverpool was one of the biggest yeah. slave ports mm. and... yeah and they have the a really? slavery museum there it's like yeah. no one knows wow. exactly. yeah.
2: I might have to pick up that book
3: yeah definitely read,
2: read it, it what I
0: found really good about that book um was that I I don't think it said anything new that I hadn't heard before, but it articulated it in a really clear way that I'd always struggled with. So there were concepts and things that I wanted to express, but we didn't have the words to. And she manages to distill it in a really clear way. Non-academia. Yeah, Yeah. non-academic, very direct. And um, yeah, so it's not kind of like, whoa, these these ideas I've never heard before, but it's just the way she manages to distill it. And you're like, yes, that's what I was feeling. That's what I wanted to say to that person. That's how I felt in that situation. Like... I wish I'd been armed with it to just be like, read this paragraph, this is how you're making me feel right now. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's definitely a good read.
3: would recommend it.
1: But yeah, that's what I've been reading.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some good books, I, definitely. By
1: next show, I have, I'll finish that, that first book.
3: I think really another book that I think maybe should be, not that I have any say what what should be in British schools, but um, <laughs> um, Inglorious Empire, and I can't remember who's written mm. it, but he writes about... Britain's history with India and basically, essentially, how much they've gone in there and just killed whatever sort of industrial innovation they had, just like rinsed them of all their money and took it, took it back and somehow made them try to be grateful for their history. Yeah, it's there, lovely. it's every like every sentence that's been in there. It's a bit more of a research-heavy um text, but every sentence you just punctuated with this. Wow, that is incredibly unfair, and mm. how they managed to get it's, away with it for so long. It's like-
1: colonial uh, amnesia mm. so a lot of people when they argue about colonialism it's like, oh no we made it better well it's like you, you can make anything better if you destroy it first mm-hmm. and people don't like to talk about that
0: you rip the carpet from under people's feet and then <laughs> give them something to stand on you're yeah. like
1: well, well we're you helping you out <laughs> <laughs> you give them a thread in the needle <laughs> yeah. that's better than nothing clearly um,
3: so yeah, yeah but, I mean also related to that so we also on nine nights recently yeah. yes um, and I think given sort of also what's happened in recent events with the Windrush scandal and thought it was, yeah, really important play too that sort of just showed a snapshot of multicultural Britain. Yeah, um, so
0: Nine Nights was at the National Theatre and it was a play about um, a family whose matriarch has just passed away. She was Jamaican, um, and traditionally Jamaicans have nine nights. It's kind of like a wake for nine nights, isn't it? And then by the end of it, you've had all the family, friends, people you know that person come to eat, drink, dance, and remember this person. But it's a it's sort of a spotlight on this one family, isn't it? In in the UK, and, and what happens during that nine nights?
3: Yeah, and I thought um we saw it together, and we were just talking about um your family's history, which I thought, like, before, yeah, watching the play, and it, and I just saw similarities then I kept thinking about your grandma, um, and when, maybe you should tell it. Yeah, so before stomach. we went in, I
0: was telling Erica about my grandma, so my grandma passed away, like, four or five years ago, and she had a nine nights, um, and this was the first and only time I've ever experienced it, um, but I was telling Erica about when my grandma came over, so my grandma came over to England in the late 50s. She already had three children in Jamaica, but she left them behind to come over and set up and then send for them. But while she was here, um, the youngest one, who was maybe two, passed away. Mm. So her oldest son, her oldest daughter, came over to England. And she had my dad here, He was the first of his brothers and sisters born in the UK, and then two more. But her youngest one, Tony, who she left in Jamaica, never made it. It meant that my grandma didn't go back to Jamaica for nearly 30 years because she just could not bear the thought of going back because if she'd left Mm. her kids behind and one of them had passed away and like guilt and all of that kind of thing. Um, And so it was actually her and my dad who went back to Jamaica for the first time um, since she'd come to the UK in like 1989 or something like that. And then um, she even had to fly to Montego Bay instead of Kingston, even though that's where we'd grown up. Like she was from near there because she just couldn't fly directly in. Yeah. It was like, and and I've all, I was saying to Erica, I've always found it really interesting, like what my connection with Jamaica has been like because of that. So most of my family was in the UK and we never really had that connection because my my dad growing up obviously wasn't going back because his mum wasn't going back and we kind of lost that. Mm. There's a bit in the play there's like there's a bit in the play where one of her daughters was left behind yeah. and her relationship yeah. with the brother and sister who were born in the UK is really strained and really different and they've had really different upbringings and there's that thing of you were coming over to make a better life for your family, but there was also so much that you left behind and there was a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. And th- that relationship with, the, with your kind of, you know, country of birth or country of origin rather is, is a really difficult, complicated one. And I still find it complicated because I think of myself as black British. I'm mixed. I do sometimes think of myself as Jamaican, but am I Jamaican? Can I be Jamaican if I was born here? My dad was born here mm. and I've only been there twice in my life, but then I do... Like um, uh, relate to the culture, relate to the music, and relate to the food, the history. It's this. It's just quite an interesting that diaspora of, of particularly the Windrush mm. era coming here and that kind of splitting of families is just quite yeah. an interesting <laughs> period of our history.
1: Yeah. So for me, it's what I find interesting about the play as well is more about the kids not getting on. So my grandma always says, you know, when you come from the same place, like you're your your siblings, but you know how men can have different families and different wives and stuff but when it's one woman and had the same kids like my so my mum and my uncle have the same dad and then my uncle my other uncle and auntie have the same dad but so that's two Mm -hmm. different fathers there um but because they all came from the same place i.e my grandma they were always together and raised together so they didn't have there was no like butting heads of oh you're not my so-and-so and they're not my dad so it was What I found interesting about the play is that they didn't have, they both didn't share that love for their mum and I suppose that happens because one was left behind and it was like the collateral damage of her being able to have a better life for the other kids. And I guess there's
3: also this separation which I think the play addressed really well of the different, if you were raised back home versus Mm. sort of your new home in England um, and how you kind of have to, sort of the issue that you were addressing where how do you inhabit both cultures and still be sort of I'm English, so-and-so, but I still, like, pay attention to my roots back home. And um, I kind of struggled with that, too, where I'm technically, I think I'm... first. No, I I am an immigrant, but, like, first generation in Canada. It's weird. I moved to Canada when I was 10, 11, from the Philippines. And it's um, to talk about sometimes with people from back home and say, well, no, you're totally westernized, you're not really... Filipino, you're not really this net, but then it's like, well, no, but I am, because I couldn't really understand it, but but it's a a different understanding, too, of um, your tradition and your roots, and my mom would always, whenever I'd be in trouble, she'd be like, you would never get away with this back home, like, it's not how you do it, this is such a Western thing, and I always kind of just, whatever, like, kind of rebelled against that idea as well, but I think, um, kind of with Anita, one of the younger characters in the play, she had she wasn't really sure about this nine night tradition. She mm-hmm. was a little bit skeptical of the whole um, affair, but then towards the end of it, she and she was also self proclaimed atheist. By the end of it, she had even like a momentary belief where she was just dancing and maybe maybe had believed in God. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think that's also just a nice, the discovery of a rediscovery, really, of um, your background and your culture, and how that handled that really well. And um, and I know it focuses on. Um, Jamaican history, but it's a pretty universal story. And, um, in particular, we, um, we talked about how just sort of that being, idea of being left behind and, or leaving someone behind and whether we would say we had kids, would we be able to do that now and then? But I think it's, it's a history thing too. They had no choice but to maybe leave and then sort of seek a better life. Mm. But, um, but at the same time i think think back to the philippines where like domestic help is almost its biggest export mm. and there's a lot of philippine nannies that are being sent out and it's still a very much a modern story yeah. um and not even philippine like um, domestic help like my cousin he's dead and he's got and left his um kids back home and moved to canada but it's it almost seems such a common thing that the kids left behind are just like oh yeah well my dad's abroad now so it's a much better life it's it's um it's accepted. Mm. Mm. So um it's become normalized. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's just the way of life. So I think um whereas for maybe now I'd be like, Oh, how could anyone ever really do that? How do you Yeah, I don't
2: think we would do that oh because of well, geographically where we are. Like we where would we go? You know, mm. you just said you class yourself as black British. So if you had your kid here, where would you go? This is your you you consider this your home. Yeah, very right? much so, yeah. So where would you go? You know? They're leaving their home to try mm. and go for somewhere that's a, that they think is a better life or a better way of living. You know, we are hot. For, for us, this is our home. Mm. So we've got nowhere to go. So we're not going to leave our kids. Do you know what I mean? Was, mm. We're going to be here. Now we're we going. Mm. London is our home. Yeah.
1: I that's don't agree true. Probably. my home. <laughs> yeah,
2: okay,
0: yeah, London, London. That's <laughs> a good distinction. So <laughs> yeah. I have lived in Bristol, and I did Bristol. feel at home there, but I would say probably any major city outside of a city in the UK, I don't think I re- yeah. relate to it. Yeah, Like, that's a whole different world. <laughs> yeah. The English countryside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of oh course. Oh my okay. gosh. <laughs> Not like... that. Like, we're talking about <laughs> yeah, London. <I'm>,
2: maybe, sorry, <laughs> I'm talking for myself because I'm a Londoner. So for me, London is my home, Yeah. you know. London is my home, so it's different. No, I, I, I couldn't have a kid and think and leave them mm-hmm. here and then go somewhere to try and get a better I have this weird love-hate thing London. I, like, I grew up
1: so we're in Clapton now but I grew up like in Hackney Wick Hackney Wick when I grew up was so <laughs> was completely different to how it is now and I've seen gentrification come and change the area and you know we sold my mum sold our house I had to move out I couldn't afford to live in Hackney Wick even though I'd been there like mm. my whole life it was not supposed to do so I went down the road to Homerton, and stayed there for a couple of years couldn't afford that anymore come to Clapton couldn't afford that went to live with my nan like in southeast so i got pushed further and further out and to the point where um, yeah, i'm yeah I'm, I'm slowly getting maybe i'll say i'm from south london maybe
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but even when i come back to hackney like days up today, i'm like uh well yeah it's not the same and so where when i let's say right, i get 500k somehow um mm. or i've got that like, 50k deposit or whatever like where do i choose to put my roots in london now but overall, is and would L- you call London home? As I would London call is. London... London's my home. Yeah. But can I stay
3: here?
0: But you're saying maybe you might have to make that same kind of decision, which is to leave where you're from, to yeah. have a better life, i.e. be exactly. able to buy a property, or yeah. to, a house to have a family exactly. in, or whatever, but yeah. you might not be able to do that. Yeah, you know? I'll get
2: one bedroom for like, Yeah, you. but you would take... <laughs> but I think you would do that, but you would start your family there, where you decide to hang your hat. Mm. I don't think you would then have your family in Hackney, mm. leave your kids in Hackney, then, oh, then go and live in yeah. Bristol. And then, I don't think you would do that, mm. knowing no, no, you personally.
0: I think the decisions that people made back then were really, really Tough. difficult and they yeah, absolutely thought Listen, it was, my mum was the best thing to do. My mum left at 21
2: years old. So my dad left first. Left where? Ghana, sorry. Mm. So my dad left first. Uh, so he was probably 22, mm. 23 to come to England. Um, then my mum followed shortly after. Um did they meet in Ghana. Yeah, they met okay. in Ghana. Cause they they were, so they so yeah, so I'm from Ghana. My parents met in Ghana. As young teenagers, you know, whatever, fell in love, I guess. At one point.
1: I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm not sure they <laughs> love each they other do. now. Yeah, yeah. They just, they just live with each yeah, other. Yeah, <laughs>
2: I'm not I'm not sure they love each other now, but at one point they did, yeah. Um and then, yeah, you know, my mum got pregnant or whatever with me. My dad's like, right, let me go and start, you know, yeah start preparing um and so my mom shortly followed after with me 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 in her belly um and we only made it to germany so that's why i was born in germany at the time yeah because yeah because uh at the time you know at that time in particular there was a man called a connection man Mm. so that connection man would be able to get you flats out passports papers you know and you'd at that time, like a grand, a grand something, you it's know, it's a like, lot. Yeah, yeah it's a lot, lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where they managed to get the money. My mom didn't even tell her mom she was leaving because she knew that. They'll say no. it'll, Yeah, they'll say wow. no, and it'll be too unbearable. My mom would just stop her. So they just left. They're just gone, you know. And it's like for them, it's going back to Erica's point about the westernized thing. I personally, because I joke about it, and I'm like, you've lived here longer than you've been in Ghana. It's too late It's too late for you It's too late for you Like you're westernised now Like that is it mate All you know is McDonald's now You know what I mean It's finished for you But So it's interesting What Erica was saying About that thing About westernised Because I think You know Ultimately that's still their home They're going to go back Eventually when my brother Because I've got a younger brother Who's 14 So I think when he's about 17 18 So they
0: have it in their mind To go back Yeah they're they're done We've got a family home there That's been built
2: from scratch It's nice Mm. Everything's there they're ready. Like mm. they're well, my dad more so than my mum. I think my mum's kinda likes it here. She's just like, whatever. But my dad he's just like ready. He's like, That's my home. I'm dying there. I'm not dying here, mate. It's um, not happening.
0: How do you feel about does Ghana feel like home to you as well or not?
2: Where would you die? Not really. If I'm no, but like <laughs> No, 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 but, no, but ashes, if I'm honest. Go, sort of if I'm honest, it, it, it you know, it hurts me to say it but it doesn't feel like nothing mm. to me, you know. Um I'd like it to, but it just doesn't, you know, I think I, uh, yeah, it, I just don't know it enough to, mm. to 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 say I call it to call it
1: home. For me, my family's mm. home. So like, when I I got a really small family here, mm. so well, have you got aunties and uncles here? A, a couple. Yeah, a so like I've all in a, gun. Yeah, exactly. So mm. like, my my family's huge in Trinidad, and for me, like, it's I've got a really small family, so it's nice to be around them. But when I go to Trinidad, it's like oh. The, this is where I come from. These are my people. The, the, I do things that they do yeah. as well, and I feel that at ease. I feel like, yeah. like this is where I'm supposed to be.
0: Um, so I had the opposite feeling going to Jamaica. However, yeah, but it was quite amazing how other I felt at I the was same like, time. Wow, <laughs> I'm not from here.
1: So for me here, I'm like obviously I'm I'm mixed race as well. My mum's indo and dad's Afro-Jamaican. Like so, but you asked me, I'm a black man. But however, my my black side, if you will, is the Jamaican side, and I don't know that at all. You know, when my parents got together, my dad's family just that weren't having my mum's family because uh, Jamaicans like the biggest, most famous island, so they're called my family uh, small island people or smallies. So it was a step that was a great down for my dad. Um, so I've only grown up in a Trinidadian household, and for me, a West Indian Trinidadian household. That's also Indo- and Indigenous South Asian culture influenced. So, I don't know Jamaica like that, and I feel like that relationship kind of stops with my dad. But he doesn't know Jamaica like that either because he he was either born here and then left at age four to Jamaica and then kind of went back and forth, or was born there and came here when he's age four and not really been back. Um, And I don't really feel like he he would have that connection to Jamaica mm. like if I wanted to discover it, I'd
2: have to go myself. And mm. I don't know how I'd be... Mm. And that's what I think, that's the type of parent mm. I think I'm going to be in terms mm. of Ghana. Yeah. You know, I think when I have my child, I'm not going to know Ghana enough for mm. yeah. my child, so they're going to have to do their research. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. i that
3: But speaking of my parents, so when they, same thing, they left the Philippines to try to find work. They mm. got married there but then left to just find work, had me. Um, but... They always had this idea of going back to the Philippines, and then they wanted to sort of take advantage of us being away somewhere. So they raced me, teaching me in English. Um, Unless they were mad at me, then they'd yell at me in Tagalog. But (laughs) so that was like I just grew up learning English because we always thought we'd go back to the Philippines and I'd go carry on with school and everything. So this was Uh, like a means for me to sort of just give me a leg up in a way. But um, that never, we never end up going back there. And now. I understand it, but I don't speak it that well. And mm-hmm. I, it's I would want to pass on Filipino to my kids. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's, and to sort of not really have that, to not have it naturally as naturally as I'd like it to. I feel like it's a damn shame, and it's the is uh, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's weird. So if I were, I don't think I'll ever live in the Philippines. I don't see it as home, and like, and whenever I go mm-hmm. back, I have like my cousins, my family, everyone everywhere who <laughs> must have known when I was a kid and I don't recognize yeah. them at all. But, you know, it does feel like home. It does feel, I mean, does, you have a, a, a community familial sense, but I'm still, a, I still feel like a stranger. Mm. I still feel mm. a little bit like an outsider. And um, and I don't think the same one, but yeah, yeah, so I don't know how, yeah, just sort of looking forward, looking to your future, how do you tie in mm. your history when you're, you're not when you're sort of more of second generation or third generation mm-hmm. or whatever, how do you try to sort of make that a part of your upbringing? Yeah, and your family upbringing. and your children,
0: like you're yeah. saying, you know, your children's and possibly your children's children. Like, yeah. I don't... It makes me feel so sad thinking that my children might not have the, that connection to that side of my history. So I guess it's just... Making a real really concerted, effort. concerted yeah. effort, and um, whether that's through the books that you read, or the films that you watch, or the stories you tell your children, or like the music yeah. that you listen to, like whatever it is, there has to be some way of making that connection. But it is much more conscious rather than it just yeah. being my children will know where they're from.
1: from. Like, yeah, I'm gonna make, sure, I'm gonna make sure they know where they're from. Mm. Yeah, yeah, of course, definitely. But like, I, I can't. So for me, I don't know maybe I, that thing was like I hate my dad, but like. He never bought on that culture to, for us either. Mm. And I would hate for my children to grow up not knowing about Trinidad. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, so I, they have, it's like not even debatable. I will, they <laughs> they I would, will know about <laughs> Trinidad. And I would hate to be in a situation where I would be like embarrassed to teach them either as well. Like, oh, so, that's never like, like no, but that happens in nine nights. So, what one thing about, because what we're talking about is like, the diaspora and yeah. how you're you're from a place but you're not from a place and you're not accepted and you are accepted in a certain place but not really and i say that so i'll describe it like yes yesterday, so imagine like your your history is like a tree um the roots of the tree for me you know when i did my dna test they trace back to it um you know west africa and south asia so that's where my roots are but what you see is actually the tree and the leaves and the plants and stuff so for me if I was to trace back I'd have to go and find like my proper history I'd have to go to, back to Nigeria and like India um, but that's where the roots are but what I see and what I know is the tree which is Trinidad. Um mm. so for me it was for, what was nice about Nine Nights is that we see so many things in the arts about the African diaspora um, but which is the roots for me but I never get to see the tree and Nine Nights for me was the tree it was like seeing people that talk like me look like me <laughs> have a similar culture <laughs> Um, being on stage I never ever get to see that and that's beyond like in music and that was really nice and I think that's why so many people have like resonated with it um, but yeah that's why I kind of went to be honest because I've never seen a West Indian play yeah no
0: it's brilliant I really enjoyed it mm,
2: great I think they could have done a bit better on the casting. <laughs> oh yeah, I was waiting he for didn't that. like the casting. I think they could have done a bit better <laughs> on the just casting. The cast no, in. no, no, no. Tell us. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember their characters, their names anymore. So, um, yeah, okay. I've got the programme here. We'll I'm just going to have just a need look the at cast the cast
0: list. I just need the cast list. Is this it? Just the no, this is, is the Jamaican recipes. What, is recipes the cast list? In the oh, here it is, right, we got the cast list out. Okay. So, Robert, Lorraine, Uncle Vince, Trudy, Sophie, Anita, and Aunt Mary. Okay,
2: so if any of you are listening to this, I apologise, but I think they could have cast Sophie a bit better. I'm not, I wasn't convinced by Sophie. I wasn't convinced by. Who's the... Um, Wait, for context, Sophie is Robert's wife. Robert's Robert. the eldest brother in this family. I where was not convinced part. by Robert either.
0: And Sophie's white. And Sophie's yeah. white, yeah, And sorry. she makes some quite <laughs> hilarious jokes, one of which was, she's the only person in the room who can swim. Yeah, of course I remember that joke.
2: Of course I remember that joke. So I wasn't convinced by Sophie, sorry. I wasn't convinced by Robert, sorry. And I think... Um, The daughter was borderline, like borderline. Do you know? The daughter's Anita. Anita Mm. borderline. She's like Tracy Beaker or something. Do you know what
3: I mean?
2: (laughs) She she felt like Tracy Beaker. Do you know?
1: Again for reference, Anita is the daughter of Lorraine, who is Robert's sister. So she's like the granddaughter of the grandmother. Yeah, and she's
0: also got a young daughter. And
1: she also has a daughter. Yeah, yeah.
2: And we never met that character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So I'm no, convinced by some of the... No, but I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I just think the cousin could have been a little bit tighter. Um, and what was your rating out of five? What did I give you? I think three and a half or something. That's it. Yeah, two po- <laughs> no, you, gave, you said 2.5. And I said 3.8. You said 2.5. No, yeah, I'm going to say... I, I, right. I'm in the threes, but not low free, Low three. Because yeah. uh, what is the the larger lady that's Aunt Maggie, Aunt 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 Maggie. Aunt Maggie. <laughs> she carried it let's be honest if yeah. Aunt Maggie wasn't there we would have been like oh this is a bit and oh, uh, uh, and then the other the daughter who was born in Jamaica what was her name Trudy Trudy, Trudy. Trudy yeah. they were, those two for mm. me were the yeah. stand out stand out characters I loved uh, Uncle Vince yeah Uncle very oh, nice British. laid back played the character mm. very well laid back who was Brilliant.
3: clearly in love with Gloria right Yes. Yeah, so that yeah, was yeah, another, yeah, That was the thing. Yeah yeah, yeah, back, yeah, yeah, That was the backstory.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That was the back story. <laughs> But yeah, I think yeah, Ante, Auntie, Auntie Maggie, Maggie and Trudy, I think they carried that. No, Auntie Maggie carried that.
0: Aunt Maggie was amazing, but was yeah. you said that there were almost one too many jokes with Aunt Maggie, and she so, became yeah. a little bit of a caricature. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that. So there, so were there
1: was. She was incredibly funny, she was incredibly accurate portrayal of like Caribbean <laughs> women. Um, And talks about, it's just like my name and talking about how far things are, how cold it is outside and all this kind of silliness. But I thought there was, because she had so many jokes and obviously it's great to laugh, um, I just felt like it, it made her character a bit less serious. Towards the end of the play where she does get more serious, it was hard for me to accept that because she had been like the, the Mm. the butt of the joke Mm. So And... so I thought that she could have still made the jokes, but maybe five less would have been mm. a bit better.
0: Just a little bit too much, too heavy on there. Yeah, yeah. Really? Side. yeah.
1: because
2: yeah. I think it like it trivializes the yeah. culture, I and mean, that's not.
0: Yeah, because she's the one who. At the but end then of I think the Trudy. Play, that's why. That's why we
2: we're introduced to Trudy. So it's just like, yeah. oh, there's an element of seriousness now. Okay. Yeah, that's
0: I true. I think so, and like yeah. you know,
2: I
1: love Trudy. So what Trudy has was that very. <laughs> You, you know we talk about? It's like, you know, going to a West Indian restaurant and, like, the, the customer service isn't always the best. Um, and you know how Trudy was, like, when she's asking the questions... Like, we would say you're being inner. Like, oh, why aren't you drinking? Oh, you're on a diet? Da-da-da-da-da. Oh, you must be... Must have, you know... I'm pregnant. When, must be pregnant or something. Like, and, like, that is a very normal thing to just dig deep and not actually care about the personal boundaries of the person you're talking to. Until <laughs> you get to the
3: bottom of the answer. Yeah, until no, you get I to the I answer, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and I think a lot of people have that when they go to, like, back to their home country. It's like people. Not rude, but they're just more upfront about things.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, British politeness. Yeah, not yeah, that politeness, right. it's, right. like none it's none just about, like get to the deal, like what are you that, hiding? And
1: so Trudy, I it's think true. she came in as that very um kinda of hard character. But she she was very nuanced. I really liked her, her portrayal. I agree on tra- not say tra- on uh Anita, who's played by Rebecca Murrell. Yeah. I really I did not like her. I I'm not good at, good at all sorry and sorry i didn't like it because for me as I, I mentioned i feel like she shamed her culture until she understood it and but i didn't like the way for me i interpreted her understand, understanding her culture as seeing was for me her was finally seeing like a a strong black woman in the in the household um in the form of trudy who like didn't care and could like talk down to people
3: but i would say um i feel like that's also probably really quite common um the idea of i when i was growing up in canada i remember thinking Oh, I wish we weren't so Filipino all the time. Where yeah, we yeah, so. no, no, yeah, 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 no, that's true. I'm and not saying
2: about her character. I just think it's the casting. Okay. I just feel like she was maybe like an A-level drama student or a. Do you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I no, do know. I know, know, what you I mean. know exactly. What you know, mean I can't quite articulate talking. it. Yeah, I'm laughing because it's. I can't really quite articulate it. Exactly exactly. yeah. What you mean. No, you know when you're yeah. in school and you did drama,
1: yeah? Yeah. yeah, and you kind of put on this drama it. yeah, like she had the drama It was like, Oh
0: come on! she's the first one who comes out on stage, right? yeah, and it was quite. It felt very. Forced, yeah. yeah like it didn't
2: feel... I'm sorry, man. They could have. Yeah. <sighs>
0: yeah, yeah, and she's no, probably no, lacking like a, a be, bit of character, there character there development, development. Yeah, and... maybe they
2: didn't have time for yeah. casting. I don't know. You know, there's yeah. a number of different variables. But maybe. Of like she had a kid. Like what I want to know about that. Mm. And, um, I was not convinced that girl had a kid.
0: No, no she's too young yeah. a bit too fresh Yeah, I was not convinced <laughs> you see yeah. what I mean no.
1: she was supposed to in the story I think she had it at uni um, yeah. Robert so for me you say he's a bad cast I feel it's perfect casting because he portrays that person that's trying to forget kind of where they're from and be mm. he was like trying
2: to be like this entrepreneur and this man yeah he's, he, do you know who he's like uh, do you know in Desmond's <laughs>
3: Oh my gosh. Do you remember, right, the, character? I remember, Do you remember the exact character yeah. in
1: Desmond's? So, like, that, name? So, so that man, Michael, mm. was my dad. So Robert in the play is my dad. Michael in Desmond's is my dad. So the reason why <laughs> I hate him is because I hate my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad was that same thing. There's like there's a moment in Desmond's where they all start dancing, like whining, and then he doesn't get a girl because no one wants to dance with him because they know he can't dance. Yeah. And... Mm. But then the guy Ricky, Dustin's Ricky's exactly there him. dancing, yeah. Ricky's got the flavour. Um so yeah, he was for me actually a perfect cast because he played that character of the person who Oh, I'm English now, yeah. I'm better than you I think that guy in Desmond oh, played name? that better than yes, yes. Yes. my man. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But you know, Desmond was running for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and I think where he let himself down was he couldn't do the accents and he tried yeah. a couple <laughs> of times, yeah. and it's probably better to just avoid it. Alright, yeah. All
3: right, yeah. All right. So sorry, we've got our However, Good night. Good,
1: night. Go, go, go and see if go you can. It's it yeah. a phenomenal yeah. play. play. It's nice yeah. to see yourself represented on screen and like that sort of culture. Um, and it is incredible. Set design good. was amazing. Yeah. It's good. Everything's good. Go yeah. and Set design, I disagree. However, because <laughs> um, we thought, actually know that uh, Venetian knows the director, so the writer, sorry, so we have like a second connection to mm. the writer of the play. Um, I'd
3: say um, I bought the script as well, and it's a, it's really good to reading it that way. So amazing. I recommend yeah. it. I have to
1: do that. So now it's time for Swim Them Island Discs, similar to a more established show that you may or may not have heard of that goes by a similar name (laughs) with Island Discs. Um, P, have you chosen what you would take to your island? Yes. And what would your first
2: song be and why? So, my first song uh, by a, I believe they're from Senegal, Mm -hmm. a band called uh, Magic System. And the tune is called I don't even know how to pronounce it well It's a uh, Excuse me if I'm saying it wrong um, But It's just a song That If you play that To any African Of any generation Of any diaspora Anywhere in the world <laughs> they, <laughs> they get it They get it They know the song They know it You know So from My nan To my dad To me To my brother To when I have a kid They're going to know that song Because it's going to you know, they would have heard it in the African party, whether it be a birthday, uh, wedding, uh, a funeral. I guess okay, let me say let me say okay, so you know like candy. Let's say candy. Mm-hmm. That's just a bait wedding song that everybody the knows. Black so, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. This I'm not having out my wedding Go on. This <laughs> is this, this is just I guess the,
0: the African, African version. version yeah, but there's no there's patio.
2: no but it's 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 a lot less cheesy, there's no dance to it, <laughs> but it's just it's just, it's just a banger. Can, can, can we play it? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay, let's play. Sensational, It's just sensational, that song. Like, You know, Instantly you played that day and I was just, I couldn't help but smile, you know. Just, it transported me back to, to being a kid, maybe like five years old, drinking Supermalt, eating chicken. <laughs> you know, maybe having one too many my no, mom's pinching me. Yeah. i
0: remember when I was younger, my primary school teacher used to drink Supermalt, but for ages I thought it was beer. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's uh, in my those little brown uh, yeah, stubby yeah, yeah. bottles. My friends used to think it was beer. Yeah, five-year-old pee yeah. drinking God. Yeah, I used yeah. to think that
2: was hard drinking it. You know what I mean? But my mum, you know, she would, you know, again, this probably happens in... You know. Of you know, when you go to somebody's house, your mom doesn't really like you to eat the, the food, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so but so I you you was
0: no, because I was
2: a fat kid, so I wanted to eat the food, <laughs> so she'd always like pinch me like this, so, so no eating. one could see to like stop me. Like, nah. <laughs> you know, like, that's all I can hear in the background, and that's all I can see, and stuff, you know? mm. so yeah, I love it
0: amazing.
2: And yeah, what your cool. uh, yeah, what's your second, second so one? So it's been so hard to pick the second one, um, uh, and I think. Because that one's kind of from my childhood, I have to pick one that's maybe a bit later on in life. And I think I'm going to say Sticky Triplets. Sticky Triplets? Yeah, well, so the st- song's st- by Sticky, oh. and the song's called oh. Triplets. Oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> right, I, I don't
0: well. know what that is. <laughs>
3: Did yeah, yeah so I used there? to be, no, I used to be,
2: like, uh, you know, it was my first outing to a rave was a garage rave, um, and it was Bagley's in King's Cross, which is obviously no longer there. Mm. Um, I was like 15 or 14, you know, and this was like, kind of at the start of it, it was a crazy pattern, mush, you know, and there's a resurgence now and everyone does it to be cool, yeah. but kind of, I was kind of, I'm quite happy that I was there at the beginning, and oh, I, I love that I lived mm. through there. And so I was in the rage when these songs were first being played and first being cut on a vinyl or whatever. And I was like, hearing this, I was like, wow, what a song. And I just used to write all my lyrics to this song uh, on my uh, PC at home in my bedroom. So, yeah, this is probably why. Because for me, music is an important part of my life. And, uh, you know, I have to think about where I started. And this song's kind of part of that journey. You know, because like I said to you earlier in, in, in the show... You know, I was fortunate enough to sign a publishing contract and all of that sort of stuff. So I've got to look back at right at the beginning, and this song was one of the beginning songs for me. So yeah. Cool. I going to, to listen. Yeah. You know, yeah, I I was, so I was yeah. in the raves when it was happening, mm. and 4%. you know, the same with Grime. You know, I was there right at the beginning. You know, I was. Mm. in IAPA all at the beginning times mm. you know the, the Dizzy Wiley times the So Solid Beef times you know I was there all of those yeah. times so being
0: I'm, at the beginning of something is so amazing yeah
2: like, so I feel quite happy yeah, yeah at least you, like, you. So I've lived through it both yeah, times that's amazing so, like, so I can die yeah, to, I can that. die yeah. <laughs> <a> happy man. <laughs> I can die happy you know what I <laughs> mean I've lived through it both times man so yeah.
1: I've had a good run I think amazing
0: those are brilliant choices also Thank back QB. to you saying with
1: the, who's the artist again? Magic System. No. Tri-
0: tri- triplets.
2: Well, it, it's triplet song. Sticky. Sticky, guys. yeah. yeah. Sticky. yeah. Saying
1: how that's, you were outraged when it was first being played. There's yeah. a really good interview with uh, David Rodigan yeah. and Barrington Levy. Yeah. And back in the 70s, Banton Levy used to live here and record here. And he's got a song called Here I Come. And like, when, yeah. they, when you play it, you know the song. Yeah, and basically, David yeah. Rodigan was out of rave DJ and some guy handed him this like, just, press this you need to play but, this yeah, but that's what it was like and he played it as was Here I Come it was obviously one of the biggest tunes yeah, ever yeah, and yeah. he yeah. just like reload, 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 yeah, reload. broader
0: than Broadway yeah 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 like, oh my and like, God, that, that song, song so and, yeah. But so
2: and, and I think that's how it was you know it was quite uh, anarchic and you know because when I think about Grime I think of it like punk and it's just like I'm going against everything and mm. this is why we have pirate radio stations and all these things and it was like people were just trying shit out and just doing shit you know and, and it was easy as test pressing a record and it's taken it to the rave that day. Oh like God. that, really? when they finished PAL, okay. they went and test pressed it and take it to the rave that day. Do you know? Yeah. It's like, let's test this. Let's yeah. fucking test this. You know? And I suppose the, the equivalent now is kids making tunes in their bedrooms and they can just easily and upload SoundCloud it to SoundCloud and, yeah. and easily upload it to Spotify it's or whatever. Different but you but don't, don't it's just have different. that
0: physical, like everyone in a physical space, like responding to it. Yeah, you visibly, don't have that. Like, you don't have
2: that. It's that's... different. You got to remember, we didn't know what these MCs looked like. Mm. We didn't know. We just heard their voices, mm. so you had to travel to Palace Pavilion, which is not too far from is actually yeah. at your roundabout at the bottom here. Yeah. You know, I'm a South boy. I can't. I should, be, not, be, still can't
1: I should be. not be going now here.
0: Now, now that's the Captain Hart. Is that? that no, part? no. So no, next to it, there's next to next the to Captain Heart, Heart
1: There's like an old building. You know, it's purple. You'll see it, and mm. that was Palace Pavilion. That and there would be the like
0: guys in their Mercedes Benz or BMWs outside. <laughs> I should right? not.
2: I should not be going there. I, I've been chased out of there many a time. <laughs> People go there. Ten minutes is out. many a trouble, but I just. Loved the culture and the vibe and everything. I needed to be in that club. I can't believe it. And I'm from South London. Wow. But I needed to be in there, That's you know. Dangerous. I remember seeing the first yeah. time I saw D double. I was like, oh my god, this guy, this is the guy from the radio. Wow. Even Tinji Strider. I think the first time I saw Tinchi was uh here, Palace wow. And I remember I stood next to him to see if I was taller than Because <laughs> I was like, I just heard this kid yeah, with a school yeah. voice, a school voice. I was like, yeah. Rawr, like, Rawr, like, And I knew that he was Ghanaian, so I was like. Wow, like how's his mum letting him be on radio so late? Because they used to be on Mondays, mm. be so late and then go to school the next day. All these things just yeah. go through my head, you know? Yeah. It's like, wow. And then, like, I stood next to him to see if I was taller than him or something <laughs> like that. You know, I was like, wow. And then he sprat, let me see that dumb fingers. So I was like, oh my God, yeah. wow, you so know? Um, and it, it's nice to know that some of these people I know now and it's like, mm. we're cool and it's like, you know, I can text some of them and it's cool and it's like, it's great, you know? I, I, pff, yeah, I, I don't know. I just love it, I think. Yeah. It, Grime was
1: very much born out of a, I don't know, a need to get out there. Like yeah, well, a need to say what we wanted to say.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I think it was a, as, a, as a bit of a "fuck you" to a Garage almost. Mm. Yeah, because well. Garage was like there was fancy clothes. I was gonna say the,
1: it's like the, the machinos, songs, the yeah. Like
0: boys. The speechy, yeah, like it was like it was an act. Very, it was
2: very, it was very melodic. It was very "I'll yeah. bring oh, you flowers." It was yeah. very like that, you know. And, whereas, and they weren't letting the Grime kids in. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So most of them actually, D Double Wiley and Dizzy. Well, like on, drum and and yeah, 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 on drum and bass yeah. and they were spitting on drum and bass because they weren't ball. getting into the uh, garage scene you know it was like oh that's where they double band first came you know that yeah, yeah. way um, so then they it was kind of like a, as a uh, yeah like I say yeah, like the fuck, fuck you kind of thing and it's like well I'm just gonna make my own thing mm. and see what it is you know they didn't really know what they were doing they were just making beats just to, yeah. they didn't know they were gonna make call grime song, and probably. they were gonna make this whole genre they were just making stuff and just like let's see what happens and now look look at this Wiley's getting a movie now made about his life he's got a book. Cop that. I
0: did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a
2: proper, like, and it's a production. Weirdly enough, we're talking about this American thing. It's a fucking American American production house that's going to
1: make this wily. That's an interesting conversation because we've always talked that's the thing of artists from here not really getting recognition until they go to America and make it big. Or, it's taken American artists to make them big here. Yeah. Like yeah. Skeptor blew up, and um, obviously he blew up here, but Drake got involved. Yeah, and yeah, when Kanye, Kanye came and did his MOBO, was it MoBo? Yeah, yeah. When Kanye did his MoBo performance, and it just looked like there was thirty men on stage. Yeah, it was actually all the MCs that they been killing it for the last two, three years mm-hmm. that weren't performing at the rave, at the party. Sorry, but Kanye was, and he was like, "Oh, all you lot come." And it was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, Kanye's
2: endorsing now." Now we can. Yeah, no, you know, we've seen it happen time and time yeah. again. It's just, it keeps just annoying. Happening. You know, we saw sort it of happen with Estelle you know 1980s yeah. was a banger yeah. you know all right choice of them used to play it fair enough but it wasn't until <laughs> you know she had to go over there for john legend to say rah you're actually sick yeah. Yeah. let me make some sessions with you and stuff like that then for her to do american boy so, she's one of us you know yeah. she's one of us she's one of us actually she's one of it's like well come on yeah. the girl was already here do you know what i mean it's like Ugh. but yeah. It's, it's it's still about, a yeah i don't know i don't know what it'll take Anyway, love music.
0: P, you've got two minutes left on your Shit. parking. Do you yeah. want another parking ticket? No, 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 no. <laughs> talk, talk to me. Okay, sorry. quick, before we go, tell us your favourite pool and why. You've got 30 seconds.
2: Favourite pool in the world, or yeah. in country, or in London? Oh, I think,
0: oh, in the world. world. Well, because we talked about the one from Iceland earlier, yeah. yeah,
2: so... Yeah, right, so not that
3: one. Maybe. In another London. One. Let's go with London.
2: In London. My favourite pool in London is Crystal Palace. Why is that your favourite pool in London, P? Because in, <laughs> st- in school, I was the kid who cared about culture and not so much, uh, athletics, you know, I was just cared about music, fashion, and those kind of things and art, but more so graffiti than art. But those are the things I really, really cared about. Those are the things I did. Those are the things I lived in, music, whatever. So I wasn't really athletic, you know, I was never really an athletic kid, you know, just like, but you know, all the schools in my borough would go and compete in Crystal Palace, so, but I would never go, obviously. But I'd be like, oh man, that's quite cool, but not cool, boring, you know, that's what I used to think. But then growing up as an adult, and I've got into sports now, and I've got into this thing, it's almost like my second coming, like, okay, this thing that I didn't do as a kid I can now go back to, and this is maybe what it would have been like if I was athletic as a 14-year-old. In Thomas Tallis School,
0: and it is also a beautiful old building. Isn't it is it? A beautiful, it's a beautiful, sorry, yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, it's a 1960s, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like 1960s, it's quite exactly. Interesting space, it's gorgeous not space. Unusual, so. gorgeous,
2: gorgeous space. Yeah. So I think, cool. yeah, that reason first, why and then yeah. aesthetically, it's just beautiful to look at. Um, cool, yeah. And if you ever want to go to a nice place to swim in Copenhagen, there's a place called Kastrup Sobad, which means the snail and it's about a 30 minute cycle out of uh, Copenhagen and it's like a beach and then it's like this weird architectural space that basically looks like a snail and, uh, and it has like two dive like I think a 10 metre and a 5 metre diving blocks and you can just dive off and straight into the water and it's beautiful and it's amazing and I love it and Ryan and I spend the whole day there together <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: amazing <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much, much. Uh,
0: Ryan is a glad <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Current. Thank you for joining us. Send us any questions or suggestions for people who you think we should.